Today's scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Wow, I've worshipped already today. Uh, I just feel like we could say amen and go home. It's been a, a great time of worship with you. I uh, <clears throat> wanted to share a couple things uh, before I begin the message today. Uh, we're under construction, as you see outside on the sidewalks, those old bumpy pads that are out there are going to be taken out in a couple weeks. But uh, the, some of the uh, greenery has been removed. So be very careful outside. We uh, Barty Hollis fell earlier today, and uh, just be careful out on the front sidewalks of the church after the coffee hour uh, when you're walking around. You don't step in a planter that's now missing or something like that. And also, I wanted you to know, Roberta Stevens is one of our American Baptist missionaries. She will be here at the church meeting with the women at 1030. So if you'd like to come to hear Roberta share about her work overseas, uh, that's 1030 this Thursday here at the church. Did you hear what the $20 bill said to the uh, $1 bill? They... Uh, One said to the other, you know, I haven't seen you in a long time. Where have you been? And the $20 bill said, oh, you know, the usual thing. I've been to the casino. Uh, I went on a cruise and went around the ship for a while. I came back to the United States, and then I was at a couple uh, basketball games. And, uh, you know, I've been at uh, a few restaurants. Uh, How about you? Where have you been? And the $1 bill said, oh, it's the same old thing, you know, church, church, church. Morton Schulman, I don't know who he is, but Morton Schulman said, Do you know how to make a million dollars? Would you like to know? Start with 900,000. <laughs> Not bad, huh? And uh, of course, Woody Allen, uh, this is kind of clever. He said, Money is better than poverty if only for financial reasons. Would you agree? I think it's going to be a tough group today. Um, <laughs> tell you what I'd like to do. I would like you to find some money. Dollar bill, five dollar bill, hundred dollar bill, some currency. I don't care what it is, but get it out. I'm going to wait until I see everybody with money in here. Got some money? Okay. The guests are really nervous. What kind of church is this? I thought they took an offering, but I didn't think they made you show their money. Show me the money. I want to see it. And when you're ready, just hold up your money. Okay? And if you don't have money, your neighbor's going to loan you a dollar. So, somebody need money? Sherry doesn't have any money? Help me out here. You, you, all the kids got money. Does anybody need some money? I've got... Wow! You need a dollar? You've got it? Okay, here's a dollar. Anybody else need a dollar? You, Joe, you got money? Rose gave you some. Okay. Terry, you got money? You, you don't have to Give Terry a dollar here. He's got to have a dollar for today. Anybody else need some money? No, you, okay. Anybody else need a, need a dollar at least? Everybody got money? Nope. Missing some money over here. Eki needs some money. Anybody else? Okay. Everybody got a dollar. Good. Now, uh, oh, Dwayne, you need money? Marcy is not here, and so Dwayne's broke. Everybody, okay. Anybody else needs some money? Now, how many of you would like to know how to double your money? Huh? Hold it up like this, okay? Watch me closely. Fold it over. You've doubled your money. Uh, 
You can say, what did we do in church today? Well, we learned how to double our money. Um, I would like you to seriously find this outline in the worship folder. It's got a paper clip on it. Don't put your money away. You need that. Uh, find your outline and just uh, any way you want, if you would just put that outline and your money together, like something like this, just paper clip your money to that outline. Does anybody need an outline? The ushers can help you out if you need one. Uh, but we're going to, I don't know where the ushers are. We need an outline up front here. Jesse needs an outline. There, oh, Bill's going to take care of you. So Jesse needs one, one over here. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, Ralph, right up front here. Ralph says, I don't have any bulletins. Uh, He'll get it together for you. Okay. Uh, today I'm going to... What do you think we're talking about today? Money. And we're going to begin a two-part series on figuring out your finances. Raise your hand if you need an outline. We, uh, Ralph's all set. Um, and so we're going to talk about money this week. I'm warning you we're going to talk about it again next week. Out on the marquee on the streets, it says uh, figuring out your finances. And I was talking to a friend of mine who does not go to church here or anywhere... And she said, I, she said, are you talking about money this week? And I said, yeah. She said, I can't believe it. And she, it was obvious. She, did, she wasn't upset. She was surprised. She said, well, that's great. I didn't think churches ever talked about money. And uh, so we talked a bit about that. And I said, well, you know, I tell the church, if you'll show me your checkbook, I'll tell you what kind of person you are. And then I said, the reason for that is our money illustrates our values. How we spend our money illustrates what's important to us. And we had a great conversation. So we are going to talk about money. And I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you cannot be here next week, and you really should be because the APU choir is going to be great. It's good. I'm looking forward to this men's chorale. Uh, but if you can't come next week, get a DVD from Stuart or one of the guys in the back of the sermon. Or you can listen to it on the Internet on our website or download it onto your uh, music player or something like that. But I really encourage you to take both of these uh, together this week and next week. Now, I was reading a survey, or I was reading about someone who said there was a survey in Southern California in a very affluent area of California, and the survey asked people how happy they were. And basically, in this survey, it indicated that in this affluent area of Southern California, 70% of the people were happy. They were happy with their job. They were happy with their family. They, you know, basically said life was good. In fact, the survey said the people were almost smug about how happy they were, Californians. However, there was one area where they were not happy. Guess where it was? Money. And 24% of the, only 24% of the people said they were happy with their money. The remaining 76% of these affluent Americans were not happy when it came to money. George Gallup says that his surveys indicate 64% of couples argue about money. Now, I think today is going to be very valuable in a couple of ways. First of all, much of what I'm going to say today is practical. You've probably heard it before, so it's simply a reminder or a reinforcement for you about money. Also, it's going to be helpful because we're going to lift up some scriptures, and we certainly don't have time to go through all the scriptures in the Bible about money because there are many, but we're going to be interacting with some scriptures. Now, I think today is, is much like an airplane ride. If you were flying across the country... You might look down as you leave L.A., you might look down on the Grand Canyon and say, oh, I'd like to go there, but the plane's not going to go down into the Grand Canyon and drop you off, is it? And you might get out in the Midwest and say, oh, I'd like to go there and do some snowmobiling. Or, you know, as you cross the country, there would be lots of places you might like to stop and visit, but if you're on a plane ride to the East Coast, they don't stop. 
And today is a little bit like that kind of plane ride. There are lots of scriptures would be fun to unpack, you know, kind of dig into. We're just going to hit them and move on. So we're not digging deep today. We're sort of flying across something. Uh, Fair enough? That's where we're going. Uh, Jesus himself said, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust true riches to you? So we want to talk today a bit about how we handle our money. Now, I think there are three groups here. Some of you will, uh, maybe I'll use Bridget, Bridget for a guinea pig. Is that okay? She's gro- groaning. Come here, Bridget. Some of you, some of you are like this. You, you need to stand up. Thanks. Yeah, just relax. Um, it'll be over in a little while. Some of you are, are going to be like this today. Some of you manage your money really well. You're doing great. So today's message is going to be like a pat on the back. Good job. Way to go, girl. So it'll be like that. Others of you, you know, it's, you, you handle your money, but it's not too good. So today's sermon is like an arm around the shoulders. We're going to kind of walk down the road and try to take you to a new place, but it'll be gentle. Now turn around. Some of you, it's going to be a kick in the, in the pants, you know, because you're not doing well with finances, and you really need more than an arm around the shoulder. You need a foot. And uh, so it may be that. That's okay, you know. But I think we'll cover all three groups today and uh, try to encourage you in this area of money. Now, let's begin. Uh, Number one, managing your money means you have the courage to face your finances. You have the courage to face your finances. We as human beings have an incredible capacity to deny reality. Do you understand that? You can think you see something because in your mind it's there, but it's not really there. Or you can think somebody said something that they didn't really say. And we oftentimes live our lives in some areas denying reality. I'll give you a a rather poor example, but it'll help communicate the point. A few months ago, I was sitting in my office eating planters mixed nuts, chewing away and enjoying those mixed nuts. And all of a sudden, there was this horrendous crunch in my mouth. And I immediately said, somebody put a rock in these peanuts. And I'm, I'm feeling around with my tongue trying to find the, the rock, you know, in these nuts. And I find it, and I pull it out. I know it's a little gross, but I pull it out, you know, and get it all cleaned up. And, and I think, man, it's, oh, it broke my tooth because I've got half of my tooth here that fell off. And so now I'm really looking for that rock. But guess what? There's no rock. My tooth just fell apart. And so I immediately thought, oh, man, I've got to get a hold of the dentist. So I get myself all taken care of, and I'm waiting for the stabbing pain, but it never came. So that, well, wow, at least it's not hurting me. So I'll call the dentist tomorrow. Uh-huh. Well, I didn't get around to it that week. I could just chew on the other side. You know, there's kind of a stump there, and it didn't hurt. So, you know, I kind of cleaned it out. It was all right, and you could eat oatmeal over here. Uh, so how long do you think it took to call the dentist? I didn't count it up, but it was well over a month that I just put up. Now, I knew there was a problem there, but since it wasn't really in pain, you know, I just denied reality. And it was just last Monday that I finally got a crown put on my tooth because I put it off. And so when I talk about your finances or when we talk about our finances, remember we have an incredible ability as human beings to deny reality. And so listen carefully. Take notes. Try to talk to yourself about your finances. Um, I want to encourage you to face your finances. King Solomon said this. Let's read this off the screen. Ecclesiastes, a couple of ver- uh, a verse 
from Ecclesiastes 7. Well, let me just read it to you. When times are good, be happy, but when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, you cannot discover anything about your future. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and reinforce this point. Say to your neighbor, there are going to be good times and there are going to be bad times. Here's another verse. Let's read this one together. Uh, This is Paul talking about his experience as a very mature Christian. Let's read. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's Paul's comment. All I'm saying is that you need to have the courage to face your finances. And most likely in your life, there are going to be times when you say, Wow, things are going great. And they really are. Praise God. Give God the glory. It's okay for things to go great. There are going to be other times when things are not going well and you're stressed and struggling financially. And you say, Oh, Lord, help me. Turn to the Lord for help. Turn to others for help to get through that time. Both times come to us, times of prosperity and times of struggle. But times change. Now, let's go to number two. Manage your money by having the courage to face your finances. Secondly, have the maturity or wisdom to manage your money. Have the maturity or wisdom to manage your money. Kids don't manage money very well. Sorry, young people. Some of you may do better than your parents, actually. But uh, generally speaking, if we're normal, we should grow up and we begin to struggle. And as we get older, we become more mature, wiser, and we manage money better. Uh, Haven't you seen this to be true in your life? This verse is Ecclesiastes 5.11. The more you have, the more you spend. Right up to the limits of your income. So what's the advantage to wealth, King Solomon asked, except to watch it as it runs through your fingers? (laughs) One accountant said that... um, and this is fairly current, that he thought Americans were spending about 110 to 120 percent of their incomes. Now, that means if you made $40,000 in 2006, you spent 44 to 48,000 if you're overspending. Now, I have a question. Well, before I go into the question, the uh, Commerce Department the Bureau of Economic Analysis for our U.S. government reported, and this was in the Wall Street Journal this past week, they said that in the past 21 months in the United States, there has been a negative savings rate. What does that mean? Folks spend more than they make. For the past 21 months in our country, there's been a negative savings rate. But traditionally in America, back to 1950, clear up into the 90s, we generally have saved 7 to 10% of our income. So you see the huge swing the other direction. That's not good. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an out-of-body experience, but how many of you have ever had an out-of-money experience? <laughs> I think we could all raise our hand, right? Uh, now, we're just family here, so I want to ask you a question, and I'll ask you to respond. Be honest. There are those months in which you may spend more than you make in a given month. That happens to everybody. But that shouldn't happen month after month after month. It just can't happen because pretty soon you're going to come to disaster. So my question is, let's think not in monthly periods, but maybe six months or a year. 
how many of you have overspent, that is, you've spent out more money than you took in for six months or a year? If you have, I want you to raise your big toe. All right? Mine's up. Because I think uh, probably been there, haven't we, Joyce? Now, one of the ways you know you're there, if you have a huge, or if you have any credit card debt, if your credit card is, you know, got several thousand dollars on it, you're probably there because you're spending more than you're making. It's got quiet in here. Time to read the Bible. James 4, 5. Let's read this together. This is such a great verse. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives it to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. There are two ways to look at your money. One is the world's way, and the other is God's way. And on this uh, outline form, we're looking at the middle of the page there, it says world's plan and God's plan. And in the world's plan, you earn it. In God's plan, you earn it. So you're earning money. If you're on retirement, you're living off money you previously earned or invested or set aside. In the world's plan, number two, you enjoy it. In God's plan, after you earn it, the first thing you do is decide how much you're going to give away. You tithe. You give. Number three, in the world's plan, you repay the past if you can. You've got debt to pay off. You know, somebody's calling you. You need to pay the bill. Uh, in God's plan, you save it. So you see, we're down to number three in God's plan. We haven't spent a dime yet. Number four, in the world's plan, you save it if there's any left. And then number five in the world's plan, you maybe give if there's any left. There probably won't be. But in God's plan, you spend it, number four, and then you enjoy it. Now, I've listed here some steps to managing your money, and I want to look at those with you. Number one, if you're really, truly going to manage your money, you need to prioritize your needs and your goals. What is a need that we all have? And it would cost money. Housing, you've got to live somewhere. And it's a sad thing that housing is so expensive in Southern California, but that's a reality. What else do you need? Food, clothes, transportation, probably. You've got to get around. So there's some basic things that you're going to spend money on. You have to plan on it. It's going to cost you something. And on, uh, so prioritize your needs. Number, uh, letter B, prepare a plan. And you see that little box there, percentage guidelines? That's a pretty standard box. It'll vary a little bit, but about what you ought to be spending in given areas. Now, as I said, on the area of housing, we're in big trouble in Southern California because it's so expensive. And so that's a huge problem, especially for younger people. Uh, and I, I, it just makes me sad. It's, it's a, there's, I'll stop. You know, you know what I'm saying. Um, so prepare a plan and then practice record keeping. Now, this is the hard part for me. And I've tried to help you out a bit by taking out of uh, Howard Dayton has a book, Your Money Counts. I think that's where I got this stuff. You can find it anywhere. Um, but find this other sheet. Now, if you, first of all, whenever you work with your money, use a pencil, right? Or do it on a computer. You can hit cut and delete and all that stuff. But um, you may want to get some other copies of this. Just get some extra bulletins or take it home and copy it before you start because one sheet's not enough. But it'll get you started. Now, on the one side, it says estimated monthly budget. And you have got to sit down, if you're going to manage your money, and figure out what's my income, what's my expense. Write it down. Face the facts. On the back side, and this is what I find tough, but when you go through a Crown Ministries course or Good Sense, they, they always have you do this, and that is 
make a record for at least two weeks of your spending. Write down everything you spend so you can go back and analyze it. Now, I don't like doing that, but uh, it is very revealing as you look at it. How many of you have an, uh, we're not only going to get out our money, how many of you have an ATM card, debit card? Yeah, most of us. How many of you use it? Yeah? Okay, here's my problem. Joyce and I used to write all this stuff. Well, I won't tell you what we used to do. Um, when I was at the eye doctor this week, I had to get new contacts, $180. So here's my debit card. You know, I give them the card. You either get money back or you pay a bill. What do you do with these things? Throw them away. That's one thing. Okay. What, what, what's a good idea to do with them? How do you handle these little slips? Keep them. What do you do with them? You check off the bill when you come. Any of you write it in your checkbook? Does anybody write it in their checkbook? Three people. Some of us. Okay. Yeah, that's another way. Somehow, see, these things are just dangerous because you can keep getting money, and if you don't make a record of it somehow and figure out what you're spending, you're going to have a big problem when it doesn't work anymore. And everybody in the line looks at you funny. They know what you did. Let's move on. Anyhow, I think these sheets can be very helpful, but they're not helpful here. They're only helpful if you take them home and use them. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time, right? Okay. More silence. Um, let's review. Figure out your finances by having the courage to face the facts. Figure out your finances by having the maturity or the wisdom to deal with it, to manage your money. And number three, have the faith to tithe your finances. Have the faith to tithe your finances. Now, if church is new to you, you may be shocked what, about what I'm about to say. But sitting around you in this room, there are some people, several people, maybe many people, who actually, when they receive their income, 10% of it is given away automatically. Joyce and I give 10% to First Baptist Church. That's called a tithe. The word tithe means 10%, not 6, not 12. And so that's what we do. Now, we give gifts to KCET and all sorts of other things, but the first 10% goes to the Lord and to our church. And you may be surprised as you sit here that people do that, but that's a reality. There are lots of people that do that that I know that tithe have done so all their life. Now, let's read uh, the scriptures. There's a couple verses from Deuteronomy I want to put up. Uh, the first one I'll read. Be sure to set aside a tenth of your, all your fields produce each year. Now, this was not in a money economy. It was in a farming economy, and so they uh, used animals. The second verse here is a great verse. I'd like for us to read it together. You may say to yourself... My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now, there are several reasons, I think, to give and to tithe. One of them is simply obedience to God. And the reality is there are a number of us sitting here today who are Christians, serious Christians, but we're just flat disobedient. We don't do that. Now, I don't know why you don't, but it is disobedience. Now, I've often heard, well, first of all, I'm in seminary, I can't tithe, or I work part-time, or times are tough, I can't give. But the reality is, and statistics prove this out, if you made twice as much, you wouldn't give any differently. If you made three times as much, you wouldn't give any differently. The truth is, in fact, if you got very, very rich, you'd probably give less as a percent of your income. And so giving really isn't based on our income. 
It's based on our heart, and I want to say something about that at the conclusion. So, uh, remember, it is the Lord who gives you the power and strength to gain wealth. That's what the Bible says. And the question is whether you really receive what you have as a gift from God or think that you've earned it. And Deuteronomy 8 reminds us it's a gift of God, and I hope you see that all that you've got is God's gift to you. Um, So, have the faith to tithe your finances. And then number four, have the discipline to deal with debt. Have the discipline to deal with debt. We're going to talk more about uh, debt next week. But uh, I want to say a couple things about it here. Debt is a four-letter word. (laughs) Now, I know you've probably heard the commercials like I have, but some guy says, uh, you want to know how to get rich using somebody else's money? Did you ever hear those? And it comes on, you know, I went to Mike the Mouth's methods of managing your money, and uh, a year ago I was working for somebody else, but now I've owned 16 properties and I've got $20,000 a month in income. Did you ever hear those? Amazing, aren't they? Right. I've never met anybody that did that, but I did hear it on the radio. Uh, Get real. Uh, We need to talk about debt, and we're going to do that deeper uh, next year. How many of you, this is going to be a little test of your movie trivia, how many of you know who Earl Flynn was? Errol. That's how well I know. Earl, Errol. I've been watching my name as Earl too much. Um, How do you say Errol Flynn? Who, Who was he? Movie star. I think my mom was in love with him. I've heard her talk about him. Here's a picture of him. That's in his outfit, I guess. Anyhow, he had an amazing quote that I came across, and I'll repeat it because this is, uh, this is pretty good. He was an actor, obviously. He said, my problem is reconciling my gross habits with my net income. That's good, isn't it? My problem is uh, reconciling my gross habits with my net income. Anybody say amen? The Bible says, Proverbs 22, 7, that the borrower is servant to the lender. And that's in your outline here under uh, the point we're on, number four. You might want to write that down and tape it to all your credit cards. The borrower is servant to the lender. Here's another verse. Romans 13. Give to everyone you owe. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So next week we're going to talk a little more about digging out of debt. Let's go to uh, the final point, number five. First of all, In all of this, manage your heart, your heart. Actually, I think I've saved the most important issue till the last because uh, as I talked to my friend and she was asking about what are you talking about today, and I said money, we began to talk about values. Money really is an expression of our heart. It's what we value. What's inside comes out as we spend our money. Garth Brooks said the following, the country and western singer. He said, you aren't wealthy until you have something money can't buy. Wow. You aren't wealthy until you have something money cannot buy. You know the commercial that comes on all the time, what's in your wallet? I'd like to ask you, what's in your heart? Uh, MasterCard has these masterful commercials about different scenes and how much it costs. You know, it goes through and goes through, and then finally it ends up and says, some things are priceless. That's true. 
And I want to talk to you about what's priceless as we wrap up today. What's priceless is what's in your heart. Jesus said this, or the Bible says this, rather, in Proverbs. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Or another translation, watch over your heart and keep it with utmost care. Greed, passion, lust, these things begin in the heart. And then we act out what's in our heart. And so when it comes to money, uh, it's a heart matter, ultimately. Now, physically, you know how critical your heart is to your health. I want to say the same is true spiritually. How my heart is, is the essence of everything, spiritually. And so with you. In um, his number one sermon, Jesus pointed out in his most famous sermon in Matthew 6, he said, and it was read to you a moment ago, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, when you and I go out and buy a car or a coffee pot or clothes, we pay so much money giving them out. But the minute we buy that, it's no longer worth that amount, is it? It goes down and down, and ultimately, all of those items are going to rust up and be destroyed, be discarded. They don't last. They're temporary. When we deal with matters of the heart, we're dealing with eternal matters. When a teacher teaches a child how to read, does that ever go out of style? That's an eternal matter. When you love someone and help them out, that's not something that's going to fade away. That lasts for an eternity. So what's in your heart? First of all, manage your heart. Uh, earlier, I asked you to uh, get out your money. You need to get your money back out, okay? Now, on one side or the other, it says something. Four important words, right? What are those words? In God we trust. Interesting, we put that on money. We don't trust in money. We don't trust in the military. We don't trust in might. We don't trust in music. In God we trust. Is that true for you? Do you really trust in God or are you trusting in Social Security or your pension plan or your education or your brilliance? What are you trusting in? That's a heart matter. And I hope that as you spend money this week that you're reminded that it's in God we trust. Ultimately, money is not going to save us. Now, perhaps you've never actually placed your trust in God. What a great time to do it today, to say, Lord, I really do want to trust in you, not this. And open your heart and say, God, here's who I am, here's what I am, and I want to trust in you and make that commitment to accept Jesus as my Savior and Lord, my boss. And I place my faith in you this morning, and I'm going to walk out of here trusting you. Would you do that? Have you done that? Uh, Alan's going to come and uh, play for us as conclude. And I want to give you some space, just a few minutes, to reflect on what the Spirit is saying to you today. And I've written a prayer. It's on the end of your outline on that second page. And I hope that you read that prayer silently where you are. It gives some space so that you can read it and make it personal. And I hope that that prayer becomes for you your commitment to uh, trust in God. So, Alan, let's play and we'll reflect on uh, what the Lord says to us today.